Hey everyone and welcome to this week's On The Spot where we discuss what's going on in the freight markets. I'm Zach Strickland, Director of Freight Market Intelligence and with me as always is John Paul Hampstead, Director of Passport Research. JP? Up, Zach? How's it going? It's going another week, uh, another active week in the freight market and yeah. you know I kind of wrote this piece last week about how imports were falling. You know, we saw this trend line declining and I was thinking, okay, maybe this is the beginning of the end for this freight boom. Right, because you would look for um, a signal upstream of trucking for, you know, a leading indicator of the slowdown. So something like import volumes, containers, you expect exactly. that to slow down before parcel. Exactly. And, and again, it doesn't necessarily have to be imports connected directly to trucking or even rail, even though the rail and imports tend to be pretty hand in hand. Uh, timing wise, you know, you can get stuff off the boat and it'll go into a warehouse and it can sit for months before it even, you know, makes the journey on the long haul right. trucking side. So, it, it, but this week, import volumes shot up again, like out of nowhere. We've had this long running trend line and then all of a sudden, boom, we're back to where we were, uh, you know, about mid-September or so. Um, any thoughts as to what's going on out there? Yeah, this is a, another example of how you really have to you know, understand uh, the data sets, how they're constructed, what they're actually showing you, right? And so um, our import shipments data, right, really what it's really showing you is a count of bills of lading processed by customs officials. Now, there could be lots of different reasons why freight activity is strong, even though those those counts may not be rising, right? Like, there's a limited number of people actually doing the physical processing. Right. Um, in this case, there's a, a really big issue with just the, the throughput of the port itself, such that we've got, you know, more than a dozen vessels anchored off the, off the coast, you know, in the San Pedro Bay, right? right off the coast of Long Beach um, waiting to get in. And so like that tells you, you know, so th when you have a situation like that, you get a divergence between, you know, organic or physical freight demand and right. the count of bills of lading. Yeah, the bottlenecks, that's kind of been like the story of 2020 in the supply chain. Sure. The bottlenecks are everywhere. Uh, one of the biggest stories in the sector is the lack of containers. You know, they can't yep. get enough containers. The, the the container leasing companies are going haywire, uh, producing. Yeah, and we've and that's that's actually caused issues inland too, mm -hmm. right? So um, one of the things that one of the reports that we've seen was kind of saying that uh, the steamship lines and, and Asian shippers are pulling empty containers back to the ports, back across the Pacific Ocean, before American exporters have a chance to to fill those containers. Right. And so now, like you've got, you know really high intermodal rejections in places like Chicago, even higher than LA, mm -hmm. because there aren't, the exporters don't have containers to load. It's reminiscent of what we see in trucking with the food uh, distribution centers. A lot, of, uh, you know, a lot of the carriers will actively avoid going into those spots when they're so busy because uh, they have a lot of delays uh, when they're getting loaded for food and stuff like that. And now we're seeing that on the container side for the agricultural exporters and grain carloads blowing up, a lot of imports going over to, or exports going over to China uh, because of a lot of reasons. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see that we're seeing a lot of the connectivity between the international and the domestic side really coming together this year as the supply chains start, like they're, they're trying to re-evolve or re-emerge as uh, something that can handle a lot more adaptation than they have in the past. 
So, you know, back to the surface side of things, the trucking markets, we're about to hit peak season. Yeah, um, or we're, we're in peak season. Yeah, right? we're in I mean, peak season. So, um, <laughs> outbound tender rejections on a national basis are above 27% for the second day in a row. Mm. Um, is that, are we at all-time highs? Yes, all-time all high. Okay. So, this week, uh, we actually hit an all-time high uh, back in the early part of November for a hot second uh, when we hit over 27% again. But it, it kind of faded, faded for a yeah. minute, and then it, uh, now we're back up. And so again, you know, what that tells you is is really just that we're off to the races, that, that carriers are the ones that have pricing power, they're the ones choosing which freight moves, um, and they're they're maximizing yield, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it tells you that all you know, you know, what we heard from large brokers that starting in September is really when um, large shippers began to increase their contract rates. Yep. Um, they haven't been able to drive routing guide compliance with those with those wow. rate increases, right? right? Yeah, no. So, I mean, when you're getting when you're talking about in general rate increases on the contract side, rarely go into the double digits. I mean, you have to have a significant reason to do that, and so contracts generally only increase about three percent, maybe every year if you're lucky. Um, but getting a five percent increase this year isn't going to be enough. To cover like the spread between the spot market and the and the contract side, yeah. so <laughs> that's right. And and I mean, there are certain markets. You know, again, we have a lot of load board data in in sonar, which is which is really helpful, but it's really only a um, a slice of the spot market, right. if you will. Right? It's capacity of last resort. If you if you're handling large awards out of Southern California, for example. Right. You're hopefully not posting all those, you know, getting all those loads covered right. on <laughs> either, either truck stop or DAT or something like that, right? Like, yeah. hopefully you have relationships. And so, like, despite what the prices have done, I mean, people, people that move volume out of, you know, Southern California have basically just told me that, like, like it's been $3 a mile, you know, since, like, June or July. Like yeah. that's it, and it's been you know the you know so on DAT on truck stop it goes up and down but it's like if you actually wanted to move and you want to keep doing business with these carriers it's three dollars a mile. Yeah, and and that's that's obviously like almost double the rate in a lot of spots uh, that you would get on the contracted side. So it just doesn't make they, you cannot adjust those con those contracts fast enough. And I again we've had this idea that we don't know how long this is going to persist. Right. into the future. Obviously, there's a lot of data that, su that suggests that we're going to see, you know, in elevated demand into 2021, which I think is, is pretty likely at this point, uh, I mean, just I because think, of the backlogs. Well, the backlogs, but I also think um, the coronavirus situation in the midterm is not getting better. Right. Right. So all of the things that have supported freight volumes, including, um, you know, high grocery volumes, uh, high, re you know, Retail of various kinds related to home goods mm -hmm. and CPG. Like, yeah, I would expect all of that to, to stay quite strong. And, and right. I just think that the coronavirus data is kind of telling us that, like, consumer behavior is not going to normalize away from freight toward things like, you know, hotels. Yeah, no, we, we're talking about how e commerce is going to blow up in November or for a peak season, but e-commerce is already blown up. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're kind of seeing that expansion of what is a peak season that is pervaded throughout like September. I mean, we tender rejection rates are at 27.4% right now. That's 
1% higher than they were in September uh, around Labor Day. Right, right. So this, you know, this idea that we've been in it's peak not, season yeah. is... <laughs> yeah, like, like I don't, like, so the, 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 the dynamics that we saw in September, right, yeah. and the heat in the market that we saw in September was not due to peak holiday retail shopping. Right, and so right. I don't think that removing holiday retail shopping is going to cause like a, you know cause demand to go off a cliff. Right. The only difference now is you know around these holidays uh, we have drivers come off the road. It's more of a supply side issue than a demand side issue. But also the type of freight moving tends to have a little bit more service uh, requirement around it as these retailers need to get things into the stores. Now, that's another good question: is are we going to see the expedited factor come into play this year because e-commerce you know when you order something online it doesn't necessarily have to be right there in front of the consumer for you to be able to ship it uh, it needs to be in a warehouse in a dc and obviously the prime users will uh, will expect their freight there but will that expedite will that lack of it needing to be physically present in a store for somebody to see this year make a difference? It really depends on the retailer's uh, omni-channel strategy or e-commerce strategy, right? So, um, for example, Target in their earnings call this week was talking about how they had actually fulfilled like, I wanna say like 90% plus of their e-commerce sales from their brick and mortar locations. So they actually have, you know, fulfillment centers woven into the fabric of their, their physical stores. Right. And, you know, Walmart is, is kind of pulling that fulfillment function upstream a little bit, and they've they've talked and it's been in the press talked about mm -hmm. doing pop-up fulfillment within right. within their distribution centers, right? And so they're kind of removing that last leg of, of the truckload um, haul. You, you yeah. Know what I'm saying? Oh, um, yeah. So like, <laughs> it really just kind of depends on you know what the retailer's approach to. Um, e-commerce is and, and where in their supply chain it makes sense to fulfill those orders. Yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we're obviously seeing increasing rejection rates already, but the fact that maybe these retailers don't necessarily need this freight to be right there yeah. in the consumer populations just yet. Now, what that may <clears throat> do in the future is, like we saw in March uh, in the Northeast, huge amounts of short haul volumes, truckload volumes moving from these warehouses in uh, upstate Pennsylvania, going into the megalopolises, you know, New York City, uh, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., et cetera. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of that activity here in the next month or so. Well, that's, that's what's so interesting about e-commerce is that it allows, um, in, in theory, mm. right, if you have, like, really good data and, and you can pass data upstream really quickly, like, you can match inventory to demand much more efficiently. And what do I mean by that? I mean that, like, um, without e-commerce, you have to ha you have to keep all of your stores stocked right. all the time. Um, if I'm in Chattanooga, I'm going to the Chattanooga Walmart. If it doesn't have what I'm looking for, it won't be bought. Right. But with e-commerce, I can order something you know on, on the store. If they don't have it in the Chattanooga location, maybe they can fulfill it from a Knoxville location. Right. Right. And so you can an e-commerce fulfillment center can actually fulfill orders from a wider geographic area and maybe it makes the whole issue of, of like uh, managing inventory a little bit simpler.
Yeah, I, I think that's it's interesting to see, you know, especially when you get online. Now, there was a study done, I read this this week, that said if you don't have the uh, product that the consumer is looking for on your website available, you have a 50% shot of losing that customer forever <laughs> in terms of like they won't come to your, your, obviously it's not Amazon that they're doing this study on because yeah. Amazon has just about everything. But, you know, a lot of these sites, like if you go to, an, uh, you know, just a random site that's, not necessarily a like direct-to-consumer side or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not like a Walmart or something like that. Uh, you have the chance of just not making that sale, and that's what retailers are scared of most of the time. I mean, these brick-and-mortar traditional Macy's, uh, n you know, Nordstroms, places like that that don't have a huge online presence, like in regards in relation to like an Amazon. Right. They need to make sure that they have availability. <laughs> so I think that will have at least some impact on how they handle the this situation. What it does to the expedited freight and you know that service time-sensitive retail freight that really drives prices up even higher this time of year, I think we will see a little bit of a pullback on that other than just what's already there, which is this huge backlog of freight. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Um, so where do you see spot rates going uh, in the next couple of weeks? I mean, they're going up. <laughs> they're, they're, they're going up. Now, the question is, how much are they going to go up? Uh, you know, we're already over $3 a mile, like you said, in a lot of markets, a lot of lanes that are traditionally under $2 a mile. Uh, they'll go up a, a little bit more. I think we're going to see tender rejection rates break that 30% uh, boundary here over the next month or so. I, I feel like this is the time for that. And that's again, just mayhem. That's just that's just pandemonium. <laughs> I mean, uh, what that means like, for spot like, rates is it probably means another five to ten percent uh, jump in some of those. And lines. it means it also just means a kind of a thoroughgoing reshuffling of relationships between shippers and three PLs, right? Like, yeah. You know, there's going to be lots of opportunities for people who can step up and provide service, and uh, they're you know, uh, I think. People who are more, have a more short-term view mm -hmm. of their relationships might get punished. Yeah, I mean, if you're a broker in this market, you, you're padding your margins every week. You know, you were at three dollars two cents last week, go up to three oh four this week. You know, and just and and you're and you're padding your margins if you don't have that coverage. If you're a carrier, uh, you know, you're probably diverting a little bit more uh, capacity to the spot market. Yeah, interesting. Well, um, thanks for that. I, I, I agree that I think. Uh, things will go higher, but not you know a fifty percent jump or a seventy-five no. percent jump. Um, things are already exceptionally hot. Exactly, exactly. So you know, time will tell. We're we're about to jump into it next week. Lead times actually fell last week as tender rejection rates go up. So these shippers do have a sense of urgency about them, and that will drive rates up even further. And that'll do it for this week's On The Spot. Make sure to check us out on FreightWaves TV. If you don't have the app already downloaded, download that and check us out on FreightCast for any podcast subscribers. Have a great week.